Smartcast. You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to Tell Me How You Did It. I'm Namrata Zakaria and I'm here to bring to you my handpicked list of some of India's finest brands. Yes, our best homegrown companies that can compete with the world's best and still win the battle hands down. These companies range from food, fashion and film to home, art and design. I'm only too happy to talk to the founders who not only chased their rainbows, they also made India proud. Make sure you tune in at hdsmartcast.com week after week to shake the hands that built our best businesses. Listen to them tell me how they did it. Today's episode is a special treat for me as I'm talking to somebody I've admired for decades from far and I've come to admire even more from up close. Anita Lal, the founder of Goodworth, is a very special woman indeed. She's India's number one esthete, beautifully bringing Indian art and craft techniques into luxury products, be it a coffee cup, a candle or a kurta. Goodworth in its 25th year now is the best example of how an indian company can turn artisanal activities into expensive coveted luxury items it's a lesson for governments for the textile ministry for craft councils but also for anybody who wants to start a small but sincere made in india label i say small because goodart started with one boutique in an inelegant part of bombay last year it clocked in a turnover of 150 crores i'm truly honored to bring to you anita lal so she can tell us how she did it anita we love you as al welcome to the show thank you thank you namrita <laughs> First of all let me congratulate you on 25 years um it must have been a long but beautiful journey it's momentous to have you with us on the podcast this year i want to ask you how has it been for you as the founder um you know 25 years sounds wonderful but the fact of the matter is that every day you know things change each day and one day goes into the next so you don't even realize when suddenly you see it's 25 years um yes uh, namrata it's been i only started goodert because i had a dream and my dream was quite simple when i started it was just that i wanted to bring the same joy that i felt um, you know i lived for a few years in uh, in germany actually and and i loved going into the stores there and i felt that in india no one gave you that kind of feeling of um you know of excitement when you entered a store so in my own way i wanted to create something in india which gave that feeling of being in a special space not just the products of course the products but the whole feeling you know the fragrance the sound so as you know in kemp's corner we started with a little fountain as you entered you heard water we had lots of neroli which is my favorite fragrance and so we had the fragrance of that and uh, music and you know of course all of that your hand picked uh, playlist which yeah. you still do <laughs> i just about now i'm wondering i have to hand it over to the younger lot to do it i think it's now getting a bit dated but yeah 
playlist as well. And um, so, yeah, it started with that. And frankly, who thought? I never thought of it as a big business. I did it only as, uh, and as you say, just because I wanted to do something special. And by the way, the first five to eight years were very difficult, very difficult. I struggled a lot. And many a time I felt that I should drop it. I can't take it. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I think it's like a child. You, you can't drop a difficult child. You just kind of hang on, hang on. And that's what I did. And then in the end, I mean, I would say for the last 10 years, it's been a beautiful journey. I have a lovely team. It's taken us a long time, but it's a team which is totally passionate and they are committed. And most of them are with me for over 10 years. In fact, today I got a message from Asha Madan. She's our head designer. She just sent me a message this morning to say, Anita, I've completed 25 years today. She's so, been with you right from the start. Of so yeah, 25 years. She started a few months after I opened Good Earth. And so today was her day of 25th year. And we will I will celebrate. I'll go and have a Kerala lunch with her. <laughs> so, yeah. So we're wonderful. And all the, as you know, that by now, practically all the people have been with me. Uh, the senior people have been with me for like eight to 10 years and above. Yeah. So yeah. that's quite nice. Yeah. El, it's quite, uh, it, it, you know, you, you talk about the in-store sensory experience mm. and I feel, and I've written about this before, that, uh, you know, you were the first to introduce it. It pretty much was the invention of Anita Lal and Good Earth. Your store was a little oasis in that bustling street. It was like a room of beautiful things, painted walls, fragrances, uh, of course, your playlist. <laughs> Did you know that you would really change the game for the experiential store in India? No, no, not at all. Because in those <laughs> days, uh, Namrita, India was a closed economy. And we didn't know that it's going to open. And, yeah. uh, you know, we couldn't import anything. Now people in India don't even realize. I'm talking about 1996 and uh, we had no internet we, uh, I was sitting in Delhi and our sales were happening in Bombay and every evening Parveen, our wonderful manager, who's really the face of Good Earth in Bombay and she's been the, she's still with us, she's retired, yes. but she's still there as, as the superannuated, you know, yeah. wise woman and she goes to Kulaba every day. And Parveen used to send us faxes every evening to tell us what the sales were like, you know, and there was no way of communicating. And so who thought that it's going to become the, into anything big? It was just going to be a small boutique in my eyes. And uh, yeah, so I never thought it's going to become so big. Then why did you start it? Because you've said in interviews that you were a hobbyist potter yourself. Yeah. And, and you worked closely with, with kumbhars, with potters. Correct. But what made you want to set up a shop and sell the items? Yeah, it was the same thing. You know, the pots I was doing anyway. And the shop just happened to come along. These are all serendipity uh, uh, things that happened. It was never planned. Uh, a friend offered us the shop and I thought... I had, you know, wanted to do something, as I said, beautiful. And, you know, I thought it's going to be all fun and beautiful things. And I'll just, people also tell me, ah, where's your problem? Uh, you just have to buy beautiful things and sell them. I said, thank you. That's what I also thought. 
<laughs> but oh my god running a business the retail the understanding i mean it's very complex and I'm i knew sure. nothing i knew nothing but i learned it everything the the other way around you know but yeah but, but now here you are in you know you've come to be uh, india's biggest luxury label how has this been did you plan it did you cultivate it how did you watch it grow yeah, no, and you how did you happened, nurture yeah. it then what happens namrita is that as you go along i mean initially it was just you know just being able to tread the water and not going under you know and in those four five years we learned a lot of things and then i started when we started stabilizing then i started questioning myself why am i doing it what is important uh, that was the time when i thought what is important is that i would like indians to be very proud of what we can do in this country you know there was this feeling uh, don't forget namrita i am a midnight's child and uh, you know i was born in 1948 so it, and i was surrounded by the whole feeling that you know i mean like india was not we didn't have confidence we didn't have much pride either at that moment and and we grew up with a very westernized uh, mindset where we assumed that the west knew all the answers where the prism that we looked at the world was through western eyes because that was our education and um and it took me a long time to understand that uh, i mean the beauty that we have the richness the heritage the culture and so that's when i realized that i've got to put it out there and let indians feel good about buying a product which is made in india which is made to the same standards as any international in terms of design in terms yeah. of quality in terms of presentation and so that was one of the things so i would say namrita it's my india pride feeling that pushed me to do more perhaps it came from you being a midnight child yeah, from that the idea of nation building Definitely. was so strong at Definitely. the time and you you know you built this world class yeah. very strong i didn't just modern i didn't build it there were many people who were involved in building it but yes i led it but you know i cannot tell you that you need a village to bring up a child you need many wonderful men and women to create a brand it's not just me but that's very graceful of you but the vision is most definitely yours and yours alone <laughs> el i want to ask you the importance of art history craft heritage in the language of gujarat and how you have come to be the primary source of this india modern storytelling i'm not sure we are the primary source i i wouldn't say that i mean there are many beautiful people doing wonderful work out there but um, why art craft history has come in is also um, i did my masters in psychology my father is a professor of english i have a very academic background you know so for me it's never enough to just do a pretty thing i wanted to get to the source of the pretty thing i wanted to understand why i mean what's special about this so very soon we started what i call the design collections based on um some inspiration from within the subcontinent or even outside as i said asia was definitely there but it started with the indian thing and actually namrita it started when i told my designers when we first started i didn't know what to do so i said 
what should we design? How should we design? And so I said, let's look around us. And let's see what is it that, what is around us? Why not? We can't pick up English daisies and, you know, stick them on the plates like people did. So then, of course, the first thing we thought was, what about chilies? So that was our first yeah. design, that, you know. Yeah. So what's around us is uh, loads of colorful chilies and masala and, you know, the blur of, uh, let's say, the saris of the women who are selling it. So we made our first design, which was very popular, which is coming back in January, uh, which um, for all the people who miss it. And um, so, yeah, so then we thought, let's do what's around us. Then I thought, okay, let's do what's behind us, which was all the centuries of, you know, you know, actually one gets very humbled when you understand, you know, you may say, ah, you've done this. Personally, I don't think I've done anything much because when you see the refinement, the fineness, the kind of design people created in the days when they just did it out of their imagination. Now, those are inspirations for us. But where did they get it from? And we have such richness, such heritage. So the idea was that, so every year we would take, I would take, like we took Kashi one year. So then I studied, I read books on Banaras. I read the ethos. We realized what an ancient city it is. We realized, I mean, how much pride we should have in, you know, having a, let's say a tradition which has been unbroken for more than 5,000 years in Kashi. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was researching my Sindhu project, I realized that uh, the Mohenjo-daro people were actually trading with uh, Kashi in those days. So it existed even when Mohenjo-daro was there, or at least I think so, and someone might correct me. No, it is the oldest city in the world. That's right. So, you know, the, the joys of thing, and then we would try and recreate that feeling in the shops, you know, with little diyas and whatever we could do. And then we did, uh, of course, we've done everything. And then we did the Mughal Gardens and that was wonderful. I used to very often take the team to to wherever we were going because so that we could, you know, be inspired. 19 people went with you to Uzbekistan for the Samarkand line. They no did. wonder they nobody leaves. They did. <laughs> and I had to give them so many lectures. I said, 19 Indians, my God, and young Indians and full of enthusiasm. I said, you have to behave like Japanese when I say styles. <laughs> I said, please, in airports, please, please let's see where you are because otherwise you know how it is. But it was a delightful trip. Yeah, it was utterly delightful uh, to go to Uzbekistan to see the birthplace of Babur, you know, in Ghana. and Ghana. Fergana and uh, the, the, it was it was really charming and of course we went all over and we got and you know those people they were so affectionate and they they would all look at the girls and I told the girls you better wear your Indian clothes I don't want jeans and things so everyone wore beautiful Indian clothes and and we had we had a lovely time in Uzbekistan. El, I want to take you back to your friendship with Mapu, with the legendary textile historian Martan Singh. He even helped you pick the name Gutta. That's right. That's Tell right. us stories, anecdotes about your friendship, about how you influenced him, he influenced you, all of that. First, let me say I'm so sad. I'm so sad that he's not with us. You know, for me, that's really one of the saddest things. But anyway, so uh, Mapu was already a very, you know, he was all there and I used to really look up to him. And 
I knew very little and he had done a lot of research and his whole thing about uh, textiles. My first introduction to Indian, beautiful Indian textiles was when Mapu did the Vishwakarma, uh, you know, exhibitions. And it was see, in the 80s, right? That's right. That's right. And Mapu did very simple saris. The thing is that Pudu Pavu, I still remember with Tamil Nadu. So all he did was take beautiful colors and give them those fine borders. And he revived the whole feeling of uh, why we should be wearing our own handloom saris. And uh, so that was what really attracted me to Mapu was that he was bringing to us the understanding of the of how we should look at the textiles of this country. Having said that, I want to add one little small thing here that the other person whom, who's much younger, but whom I admire tremendously and who's also brought the tradition of handloom saris back into fashion is young Sanjay Garg. Yeah, of course. With raw mango. He's yeah. done what uh, you know most people could not have done, which is that without any things, spangles or, you know, whatever, he brought the good handloom sari back into fashion, which is very admirable. Yeah. So I've asked him this question, El, and he's very sincere in his thanks because it seems that you discovered him at a Delhi Heart exhibition. Yeah. Is, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, what a phenomenon and what an eye, right? So, because it was not my, it was Sanjay's eye. He put colors like... Uh, soft green, sharp yeah. green, you know, neon green, yeah. the pinks with reds. And it caught my eye and it caught everybody's eye. And the boy has got a, you know, what I love is that he has the rootedness of uh, India because see, I miss that rootedness. I have had to create the rootedness because I was born and brought up in a very westernized uh, milieu. Whereas Sanjay comes, as he says, from the earth, he smells of the earth. He understands India like, I, I cannot, you know, and so I admire that a lot. And so going back to Mapu, actually, Mapu, it was that I've never seen a person more generous than him. You know, he was willing to give his knowledge to everyone. So when I was trying to set up Good Earth, I, I have a farm, Tulsi farm, where we work. Mapu's um, home was just beyond. So in the evenings, often he would drop in. And on his way to his place, and we would sit there on the steps and talk about it. And that's how the name Good Earth also. I said, Mapu, you know, what should I name it? I, I wanted to name it Indigo. So then I want to name it Aquamarina, because I love Aquamarine. So all funny names like that. And Frangipani even. But then he said, no, I think you're doing pots. And I think Good Earth is a good name. And uh, that's how Good Earth came along. Yeah. It's a wonderful story. El, other than the stores you've had in Turkey and Singapore, you've collaborated with Mapu again uh, for the Fabric of India exhibition in uh, London's Victoria and Albert Museum. You've had stores at uh, Liberty London, Selfridges, as well as the Peace Shop in China. Why did you want to take Indian craft to a Western customer? Uh, Namrata, actually, it was default, something that I had consciously thought about. Uh, the Singapore and the Istanbul were people who were very, very keen to carry good earth there. And, you know, we honestly, now I understand a lot more about business and we were naive and we didn't understand that 
you know, pricing makes a lot of difference. And by the time you ship things abroad and, and you know, Indian prices and then to match the same, these were very difficult things to do. And today, I'll tell you, we have a very different policy. I actually don't want to take any good earth abroad. You know, I want it to be a purely India-based uh, brand, stays in India. We want to stay where we are. Uh, about my with the fabric of India, it wasn't Mapu, honestly. It was that they had approached us uh, as sponsors. And it was that was our 20th year, actually. And at that time, we did have a small budget and we thought, why not? And um, and then we, you know, we they were all lovely people. And so that was something we thought that since it's... Um, Good to represent the textiles of India. Uh, that would be a great thing to do, and we did it. Uh, I think what was very interesting is the party we had there, because I don't think the VNA had ever seen a party like what we created. I we flew down chhatri silk brocade chhatris, and we flew down. In the end, we even flew down roses and mari, and jasmines and uh, uh, you know all of that and. Uh, and the place, and we do, flew down Jasmine Sharbat also. And the place was fragrant and full of music. And I, we did a lovely flash mob in Bollywood style. So, you know, <laughs> I said, we can't have a party uh, about, uh, you know, India when we don't show you the how we love to dance. And then it was all the team which did it. And then everybody joined in and they wouldn't let us stop. So they, I think that <laughs> we had to do it three, four times, all the guests joining in. And in the end, the VNA actually had to throw us out because they said nobody stays that long. You have to leave. You have to leave. Nobody wanted to leave. At about 11 o'clock, they just literally closed the doors on us. So it was a great party. And uh, it was a great way. Of course, Fabric of India, uh, frankly, it was the initiative of the VNA, how they wanted to show because their collection is so enormous of Indian yeah. textiles. And they do a yeah. great job, I must say, of um, explaining the provenance of each, uh, you know, style of textile. And that was wonderful. It gives India, uh, the world, uh, an insight into the gifts that India has given to it in the world of textile. And these are things, Namrita, I want to keep on, uh, let's say, emphasizing that we must keep emphasizing what India, even indigo, you know, I'm wearing indigo. This is pure indigo, Khadi. Indigo is a gift from India. I mean, indigo was done from the Mahinjodaro times. The indigo plant grew by the banks of the river Indus. And those people, and we're talking about five, 6,000 years ago, they also, kapas was growing there, you know, cotton, okay. cotton plant. And that they, at that time, I mean, look at the technological, uh, let's say, thing that we had in India at the time when those guys were living in furs, you know, <laughs> wearing just furs. They were in India, they were in Mohenjo Daro, they were uh, spinning, they learned how to spin the uh, cotton yeah. and then to weave it. They had, they had a pitch loom as well. That's right. And they had to, they learned they could weave it. And then they also looked, they found the leaves of the indigo plant and they understood how to, you know, use it and also to modern it and to so that it stays, um, you know, with mylobirum, as you know, and then so that it stays uh, fixed on the fabric. And they were then doing those ajrak prints with little block prints those days, we imagine, because that's what we have. So 
I mean, that's India's gift. And India was the ones giving indigo to the rest of the world. Yeah. Till a German company found a chemical way to do it. Ail, your family is as passionate about creating modern India brands and as painfully low profile as you are. <laughs> your husband, Vikram, was the CEO of Aicha uh, Motors and Royal Enfield. And your son has been instrumental in like turning the Enfield business around, making the Indian motorcycle outsell the Harley Davidson globally. Uh, Simran, of course, is a CEO of Good Earth. Uh, she and her husband Rahul have started a fantastic uh, new uh, decor and fashion label called Nekopa. What do you guys talk about on the dinner table? Because, of course, you are a business family, but one that's soaked in culture and heritage. My son doesn't talk business ever. He loves to talk rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) So that refuses. In fact, if I start on good earth, he says, stop it. (laughs) You know, you girls go on and on and on. The girls chatter a lot about you know, whenever we are together. But yeah. otherwise, as a family, you know, we, we don't take these things too seriously. And um, yeah, we, each one is proud of the fact that, that the other is doing all this. We love what we are doing. I love what I'm so proud that what my son has done, what my daughters have done. But but that's not, you know, something that we talk about. And uh, I mean, so that absolutely refuses. He never discusses work, business, nothing. We we have other fun things to talk about. <laughs> so yeah, as a family, we actually it, touch wood. But it's a it's a ever since the kids were small, it's a nice cohesive little family, and we've kept that feeling still together. And the girls, the boys myself the children and so we have a lot of other interesting things to talk about and work is really not really something that we talk very much that's really interesting i can't imagine that yeah yeah no no (laughs) and tell us about your work culture because when when we see you at good earth events you're surrounded by a a fleet of women one is the head of marketing one is a head of finance one is a head of i mean you you come in with this coterie of gorgeous women what is your work culture like and are you mostly a women-led office uh Almost everyone in in the team is female. So is that a conscious decision? Yeah. Uh, No, again, a lot of things happen over time. But uh, when it did happen, I mean, especially my CFO, whom we all love dearly, Sangeeta, she keeps us in check, but she also cracks the funniest jokes. And so, you know, uh, she's delightful. And before that, we had a very serious looking man who was the CFO and he used to just keep questioning everybody. And it wasn't really very much. uh, It was quite difficult. No, Namrata, um, I think, again, we realized that you can actually create any culture that you want. It's not necessary that we follow a set Western uh, style of culture. Because, you know, business, right now, everybody assumes that the only way to run a business is the way, uh, let's say, it's run in Wall Street or New York. Or, you know, I mean, they're, and they are very, look, it suits their culture, you know. Uh, every every civilization, every culture creates its own way of what is valuable and what is important and, uh, you know, their own idea of ethics, work ethic and so on. 
And I realized this actually, the person I read really and who gave me this insight was Devdat Patnayak, yeah. you know, with his book, Business Sutra, which I enjoyed reading very much. And I realized that it's true because instinctively, I don't go for that corporate culture. It's not my instinct. And when we tried it, it didn't really work very well. You know, all these very formal uh, reporting, uh, you know, hierarchies and all of that. And but that's what it used to be. Then I just dropped it all. I said, forget it. There's no, no hierarchy. By the way, we're very flat. Everybody is, yeah, there's no hierarchy. There's, we're a very flat company. Um, and then we realized that we were more comfortable with women, though we have a wonderful young man. I please never, never forget to add. Dinesh is the head of our uh, IT and all the girls love him dearly. So we have a lovely young man there. But by and large, yes, it is, it is women-led. And I think because it's women-led and over time, it's become a more relaxed organization. The thing is, Namrata, being a woman myself, I thought I cannot ever separate work from uh, home. You know, a woman has, she has to multitask. And so we've always given, I mean, people nowadays give maternity leave, but I was giving a year of, you know, paid leave for girls even then, and they could look after their children. Because I understand as a mother that um, that a woman has her very special needs. And so, of course, that's why women also were more attracted to work with us, because we were very flexible in our timings and uh, in everything. Uh, you know, you need to go home, your mother-in-law is in town. I mean, so many things, as we know, can happen. And we never questioned that. And then, so then it just became a more comfortable way of uh, working. So it's a bit more like a family and uh, not so corporate. But still, as a family, I'll tell you, uh, Namrita, truly, the girls there are more passionate about me, the brand, than I am. And they are the ones who really, and they will take it forward. So, yeah, it's a women-led organization. El, it's so important what you say, because especially with COVID and even before that, uh, it's almost like the whole world is conspiring against women from going to work. You know, there's any and every excuse for women to drop off yeah. uh, or, or, you know, it becomes very hard if it's one's own family or then, you know, biology when you have children or um, even gender equality in the office. It It's almost impossible for a woman to go to work but you know what you've done is you've written the corporate rules you know you've you've made it a not only a safe place but also a flexible place for a woman to find her groove and to continue to meet her deliverables at her convenience and it's a success story because obviously your company has turned yeah. you know uh, a woman led office and a women strong office into um, into a phenomenon you know into india's leading luxury label because you know the more uh, the more trust and the more space you give a person the better they perform it's it's really very simple in fact, girls are so motivated and they work. And one I've never in my life, for example, the same Asha I'm talking about in 25 years, Namrita, I have never reminded Asha for anything. If she had to do something, she would always, always, always do it. And yet it was done with, you know, without any stress. So, yeah, I think um, if you give people that trust, they will they will work. And we don't need to clock them in, clock them out and all of that. I don't. It's a great lesson for founders and CEOs. So thank you for this. Yeah. Yeah. 
you have your new collection out this week, your annual collection. You're taking us back to the Silk Route and Bosphorus. Um, tell us all you can tell us about it. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Namrata, uh, every year I think, oh, now, now what should we, you know, what should we focus on? It's a question of focus. So then, you know, you focus in a certain area because since we like to create original design, you then need to see where, what's the, let's say, background where we will create these designs. What, where should we go? So, I mean, we've been to even everywhere, so to speak. So this year, when 25th year, I thought, let's look at the confluence of the East and the West, because, you know, that's really what the world is all about, at least our world. And yes, the Silk Route is what connects the Asia to Europe. And, and that, has been a, that has been a place of amazing, um, what you call, culture. And through the culture, arts, crafts, everything. And out of the Silk Route, uh, honestly, uh, Istanbul and Turkey is where the actual crossroads are, you know, where Europe, crosses into Asia or let's say Asia crosses into Europe. And then also, as you know, that there was a lot of Greek and um, Roman influence in in Turkey because initially it was almost like, of course, Constantinople. The Christian empire was ruling Turkey for over a thousand years. So they had a very mixed kind of a culture and, and then the Ottomans and everything. So I thought it was exciting. And so we took it on to... And I would say that it's the first time, even in now you will see it in the block prints. We've created a block prints which are completely different from the usual buta, buti, you know, the things that we've always done. And I think it'll be quite interesting. We always like to bring bring the craft levels also up and the design. So I think it's going to be interesting for you to see. And and we've also in all this uh, renovated our flagship because we are 25 years old and our beautiful Raghuvanshi Mills in Bombay, which uh, we had taken, which is this old mill with high ceilings, um, was actually collapsing, you know, the water logging and there were so many problems. And so we decided to really really give it a facelift. So I think we will welcome our guests into a very beautiful new uh, renovated, restored, and I hope a very, you know, special space. So that's I, it. I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And this is also a year we thought we will do more collaborations. So we've collaborated, even for our dinner where we've collaborated with uh, an English designer, English artist, actually, Rebecca Campbell. Okay. And uh, we're also talking to many others to create things. So I thought uh, it's also time to look out and to look at others and to collaborate with other people. Yeah, that's what it is. And another person with whom we've been always together, but this time even more so, is this very talented architect called, uh, actually he's an interior architect, uh, Adil, Adil Ahmed. Yes, we, we did Rajmail together, as you know. Yeah, and yeah. now Adil is back in full swing and he's the one who's restoring and working like crazy to get Raghuvanshi Mills into its new avatar. He's brought back a water body. He's, it's going to look like a lovely, from a little dump, it's going to look like an Ottoman palace. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Yeah. Adil and Godath are a perfect match. Yeah, we really are. 
And so let's see what happens. Yeah. Ayal, tell us what's what's next for Kujat and what's next for Anita Lal. No, I, I just, I, I don't look so far ahead. <laughs> Five years, shall we talk about the 30th year of Kujat? You know, I haven't thought about it, so I wouldn't be able to say. But I think, yes, it would be more uh, collaborations, a little bit more international in things that we do. Not that we want to go Uh, that I'm very clear. We don't really. We're very happy. You know, Namrita, also the whole thing about this thing that you have to take your shops here or there. Why? I don't see the reason. And even growth. I don't see growth as an unending uh, thing because then that to me is actually not sustainable. Growth has to be organic, gentle, easy. Uh, for me, for me, I mean, everybody has their own needs, their own reasons. But for me, if you ask for good earth, I don't see any big jump. I just see... Th- All I want to do is just get better and better and better, have better systems at the back and have better products in the front. That's what I want to do. El, I'm so glad you're talking to us. I'm so grateful to you and thank you for all the beauty that you brought into our homes and into our lives. Gujarat is a very, very special space and you're a very, very special woman. Thank you, Namrata. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed the show or not, Write to me on Instagram, Twitter, or Clubhouse at Namrita Sitar. You can catch the video podcast on the Lifeline channel on YouTube. For updates on Tell Me How You Did It, follow us at HT Smartcast. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse. To listen to more podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com or suno nay nazariye se. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.